Alright, welcome to episode 26 of the Radio Podcast for NerdAppropriate.com. It's a lovely Saturday. It's a Saturday evening, afternoon. It's like, uh, 7. It's like uh, partially cloudy with a, a severe chance, about to rain. A chance of rain. It's about to pour. Uh, yeah. Um, we are not live casting. We're not. Just three of us in a room. Like we, the old days. Yeah. Yeah. We dropped the, uh... We dropped Ryan and Amy off at the pool or something. And <laughs> yes. Came back and did a podcast. Remember when we did the original ones in your in your den? Yeah, we it was just very dark. Huddled around the table. Uh-huh. Like, this is, this den is a little brighter than your den. It yeah. is, yeah, yeah. My den is brighter. A cave. We could have been doing. I have like two a, lights too, but they're just not bright. Well, one's like I have like a little. Uh, I guess it's a bulb that resembles a torch, so it flickers. Okay. <laughs> So it really is like a it really nail. Is like a cane, yeah. yeah. And then the other one is looks like a lantern. I always thought, uh, you know, like there's that old steak and ale building like up the street. I always thought it'd be cool to like do something with that building since it already like, looks like a castle. D&D. Yeah, just like buy the building and turn it into like a game. My friend shop. was telling me. My friend up in Brooklyn said there's a in in Brooklyn they have what's it called? It's called like the nerd something. And it's just a place where people play games, and it's like D and D and board games and card games and everything. Like, and they just have stuff that people just come a layer. That yeah, people like come hang out and play D and D, run some D and D sessions. How do they? How do they pay for the space? Just I imagine they probably sell beverages and snacks mm-hmm. and things of that sort. You have mm-hmm. a liquor license, which are drunk. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea if you could get because beer licenses are cheap. You could get like beer and wine, and then just do like shit snacks and and soda and stuff. I feel like. That would probably make a decent amount of money here. Probably. On topic, remember when we had debates? Let's Now that this is 26 and not 25, yeah. remember when we had debates over geek versus nerd and what we would call this? And, oh, yeah. And, and how often we bounced back and forth between what the actual name would be? Well, it's, it's funny, because like like when I do the interviews and stuff, I I say, hey, you know, like what, what one nerdy thing are you kind of don't really like to talk about, but it's something that you do as a hobby or a collection, and, and everybody has something nerdy about themselves. Mm. So that's why I'm kind of glad that we ended up becoming nerd-appropriate, because even if it's like, I'm a professional rocket, or I'm a fucking this, I'm a that, everybody has something that they're almost ashamed of, but it's something they're actually passionate about. So that's mm-hmm. why I love the word nerd. So I thought, always thought... To me, like, geek had more of a derogatory slang to it, you know? Yeah, we had that discussion, but I thought uh, geek was more negative. But then I saw, uh, what was it, Ice Cube? Who's married to Coco? Ice Ice T. Ice T was on... railed on nerds. Yeah, Ice T was on Jimmy Fountain. He's like, I'm a geek. I ain't no nerd. And I was like, really, dude? Like, how do you differentiate? Because I think... It's also Ice T, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. But he plays Cod so... (laughs) Which makes him not a geek. Yeah. Like, if you say, like, no, I'm a total gamer geek, and they're like, what do you play? Like, Call of Duty? I'm like, you're not a gamer geek. You play a shooter that 14 million other people are playing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess... He's a pretty pretty hardcore gamer, though. Yeah. He plays mainly shooters. But But I'm sure he's not playing, like, Final Fantasy X? No, probably not. He's probably not an RPG guy. I don't really see that. So 26. Let's let's go to the old-fashioned, what the hell you guys been up to this week? What are you playing? New Vegas, man. I've been playing a ton of New Vegas. I've been playing, uh, I've got a talker. I've got a guy who can talk in New Vegas. He can shoot guns, and he can pick locks, and he can throw explosives. Those are all, like, 50 level, but he's an 80 
in skill tree talkers, which means I only have 20 points, I think, left to put in it. Whatsoever. Yeah, I love doing To max out. But, uh. Didn't you make a ninja character in Fallout 3? In Fallout 3, yeah. How did that work out? Not well. You trying to go all hand Three hand? was basically like, pick up a gun of some sort and don't do anything else. Because yeah. 3 wasn't really balanced to, to talk or to. Like, they didn't have, like. What I've noticed in New Vegas is that they've had specific challenges. Like, when you. So when you talk to somebody and they're like, hey, I need you to go do this thing, go kill this guy, or go go get, take care of the situation for me. And you're like, okay. They'll be, like, once you say okay, you get to ask, like, I want to ask a question about that mission. And they go like, okay. And then they'll have three questions that you can ask. And the three questions generally pair towards specific skills. It'll be like, I just want to go shoot the fucker. And they're like, oh, okay. Then you need to go up this route and you'll find him over on the east side. Oh. Or it'll be like, you know, well, I'd really like to be diplomatic in this case. And it's like, well, if you're thinking about being diplomatic, you should talk to this other guy and see what you can, you know. And you're like, no, I'd just rather sneak in and get it done. And they're like, oh, okay, well, if you go around the back... Is that something you wouldn't have gotten without the talking? Well, they, they just, no, they just, no, they get, what I'm saying is, like, the, the missions now are are varied enough that you can do them multiple ways oh. without having to pull a gun on somebody. I think that was, like, I think, like, the dialogue based on certain skills was in Fallout 3, but it had no bearing on, like... How you approach right? No, that's what I'm missions. saying. Like the mission, that's awesome. Fall Three was very, it was open world but very linear when you went to do the mission itself. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. really only one way to get through it. And this one, like we were just talking, there's a mission about halfway through the game where you start to get where you actually get into New Vegas. And uh, Derek did it a completely different way than he did it. Who, who I think did it a different way than I did it. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's three different ways that you can that we all went different. And got it done differently. It's pretty awesome. So, you think you're about halfway through. How many hours have you logged on your I'm really save? horrible at guesstimating that. Uh, Usually the saves will mark your hour. Yeah. I, but I always feel like I'm like, oh, I've done like 20 hours. Yeah. I look and I'm like, four. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm on... You can't judge it on how many saves because the game's really buggy, so you're saving constantly. Ah, uh, yes. But, um... Uh... You know, I'm level 16. I, I played like four hours a day. Probably about... I've probably put about 15, 20 hours That's into the cool. game. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds about right. So, bugs aside, it's, it's a good, good game. Yeah. Yeah. A hole in my lip. Oh, uh, <laughs> Bugs aside, I mean, the game's fun. And the bugs aren't horrible. The bugs are just annoying. I mean, they're not... The bugs aren't game-breaking. They're just annoying enough that, like, you'll finish something and then it bugs out and you have to redo the thing you just finished because it bugged out before you could get out of what you were doing. You mm-hmm. know? Which is kind of obnoxious. But otherwise, it's... It's cool. Like the the weapons and the armor feel good. Like the like the the varied amount of stuff that you can get. The story's good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's been it's been a really fun game. I was kind of on the fence about it, so maybe I'll try to. It's always like on the radar. Like if I hear more good things than bad, I'll probably play it. It's definitely, it's worth playing. It's a really solid yeah. story. It really is cool. And they I added mean, the, yeah. the companions. They added are really good too. Yeah, Felicia Day. Where, who is she? I still haven't even. She's a. Uh, she, she's how you get the brother of the steel. Uh, okay. So she's. Uh, you find her. She's just in a like a camp along the side of the road, mm. and she joins without you having to do anything. She's just like, oh, I'll go with you. And you're like, all right, cool, come with me. Uh, what are you playing right now? Or watching or reading? Uh, or? I well, I uh, haven't really played games this week. This work's been insane, but. Um, I've been, well, I finished All Your Base Are Belong to Us, the Harold Goldberg uh, History of Video Games book. Oh, cool. And um, really good. And I'll do, like, a full review on the site and stuff uh, this week. But it's a really amazing game about, or game, it's a 
amazing book about the dawn of the video game industry, all the way back from Pong through, like, the creation of Mario. Is it not just as a historical perspective, or is it focused on a specific, like, aspect of... It's, it's pretty much all of it. It tells, like, how these creators came up with their ideas, and also all the um, trials and tribulations of the business itself. Like, you know, all about how many units have to ship in order to make a profit, and all, oh, wow. like, all the crazy behind-the-scenes stories. So it's almost written uh, from the perspective of, like, an investigative reporter. Like, he went back and interviewed all these old guys that, like, started, like, Coleco and all these crazy companies and, you know, That's the creators awesome. of Myst and, like, basically the dawn of the, the modern RPG. And so, like, if you have any interest in, like, the history of gaming or how the business is really working, it's, like, priceless information. Highly recommended. Yeah, totally. That's cool. I mean, it can be, like, it's um, very, it's not, like, fun yeah, oh. it's like yeah, it's more like a, a, oh. a periodical. Okay, but yeah. it's it's still really awesome, and I, I that's cool. Really enjoyed it. I know you say you had a busy week. Do you have time to play anything? Um, I see a movie. Played perhaps? a little bit of um, shit. I played a little bit of. Uh, well, we got Mortal Kombat, Kombat, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah. Um, I played more La Noire or no. Tiny bit of LA Noir. I haven't really gotten the chance to because I would, I would get home from work and be too tired to really focus. So. That's not something that you can just pick up and play yeah. five minutes. So you really need to try to do a whole case at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I didn't really play much this week. Um, movies. Let's see. I watched. I can't remember the name of it now, but I watched some Joel Schumacher movie about uh, zombie Nazis. Oh, uh, the. It's on the Keep talking about it. It'll come to me. And, like, I okay, I love the intro to it, and then it just got, like, worse and worse. It got it has Dominique Purcell from uh, Prison Break, mm-hmm. and it has uh, Henry Cavill, who's going to be the new Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the name. You'll blurt it out, like, right in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, it has a very generic name. But I'm like, Schumacher, in the old days, was, like, one of the kick-ass directors. Right. And then he put out Batman Forever, and his career was, like, obliterated. <laughs> So I'm like, holy ha- holy hell, here's a Joel Schumacher movie with all these great names, and it's about Nazi zombies. I'm like, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So it was on Netflix Instant to watch. I watched it, and it was lackluster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's but, funny. But uh, it was, like, I'll think of the name. Oh, Matt, we'll think of the name. Is it Blood Creek? No, it's not no, Blood Creek. It. It's Joel Schumacher? I'm yeah. not seeing that. Maybe it's a different movie from what I'm thinking of. Um, I, I started reading... Based on our earlier podcast where you guys talked about, I think it was from PAX. I started reading Jane McGonigal's book. Oh yeah, yeah the she was at PAX. Reality is broken, and I, I hate to say, I went in with the attitude of being very skeptical, because, uh, you know, it's one of those books where it's like, and I don't know if this is just a product of marketing, but like, I feel like all all books nowadays are like, like one or two word phrase colon explanation of book title, you know? Yeah. So it's like. You railed on that for a little while. Yeah, it's like, reality is broken. And then, like, you're like, yeah, I don't know creep. what that means. Is it called? Yeah. So the title, will, a different be, one the title will be, like, you know, pooped in your pants. And you're like, what is that about? And it's like, oh, it's about the economy. Like, yeah. So it's like, instead of putting what comes after the colon, I don't know. I just, I have a weird outlook on these, like, scientific kind of books. You're too far in, man. Yeah, I'm too entrenched in it. But, um, and, I, you know, again, I was still skeptical because I feel like, 
there are a lot of people who would like to write books like this and probably have. And so I guess my question was, why does her book get more attention than like other people that are in digital media or related fields and interested in writing about games, positive psychology, all that stuff. But um, from what I've read... Because she come out with a pretty thick background. From yes. That. I mean, I think right. that's why she... So, yeah. So, I guess <laughs> I guess the thing that is set out, like, immediately is sort of, like, the sort of the breadth of knowledge that she investigates, like, in doing this. I'm right. Like, oh, okay. That's cool. So, like, I'm on board now, and, like, I'm actually enjoying reading it. So, when I when I get through it, we can talk about it a little more. But, cool. Um, the one other thing I, I forgot, that I watched this last night... And it's actually, I think, my first time sitting on and watching it front to back. And I think it's a movie you really like, which is uh, Escape from New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. First time I've ever watched it all the yeah. way through. It's a freaking great movie, I've man. Never seen it. it is really good. It's on watch. You will love it. Cool. You will Escape absolutely love it. He really is. Where did his voice come from, man? That is know. like Kurt Russell's voice disappeared after that movie from, from how he talked. He's like, yeah. it's yeah. a really high pitched, like, smoker voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was I'm here to movie. save the president. That's <laughs> good stuff. That movie is fantastic. That sounds like the plot to bad dudes. I, I blocked it really quick last night because I'd heard um, the guys on the Totally Rad Show talked about this, about how he did the cities, those laser cities. Yeah. So part of the movie, Snake Plissken's like in this glider and he's going into the city and as he's going in, it's this big view of New York but it's all done in what looks like laser. It looks like CG. Like, nowadays you'd look at it and be like, oh, did somebody fart that out in three seconds? Did you, you know, on a computer? post something about yeah, that? Yeah, like, Okay, yeah. They built a model of New York City, put glow-in-the-dark tape around it, lit a black light on it, and then shot it going in. So, so it's it actually looked, real. So like a wireframe city? Because that was cheaper than doing it in CGI in 86 wow. or whenever the movie was. That's crazy. totally respectable. Yeah, all so. that stuff. And then when I posted that, um, our, a good friend of Scott and I's Travis uh, Duenas wrote me back and said that um, for the opening of, what was it, The Thing, where it's like uh, the backlit letters with the smoke and all that stuff, it's like this crazy, it's this crazy process of um, how he got that to work the way he got it to work. I'm going to look it up really quick, and if Scott wants to cut this out or talk. Not, it's not to go off on too much of a tangent, but like I feel like stuff like that is what makes movies like older movies great like movies like Star Wars like the effects were cheesy but like just the fact that they were made by hand and it oh, yeah. worked like do you ever think we'll see somebody like, do that creativity. not not because they don't have access to like the computer technology but just because they were like I thought it'd be cool to shoot a movie where all the effects were real yeah you know there's yeah. there's some directors funny enough Michael Bay is one who who prefers to practical. do practical yeah. a lot of times for his big, like, huge-scale stuff, he'll it actually do better. big, I mean, huge-scale like, stuff. You know? Yeah, like, a car crash looks a lot better if it's an actual fucking car crash. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, bullet hits and squibs and stuff, when they're CG, I can't stand them compared to, like, a real old-fashioned squib or bullet hit. It's, mm-hmm. like, it looks so different. You can just tell. So, Travis wrote me and said, have you ever watched the thing with commentary when he explained how they did the opening title? And then he quoted... It says, when I did the effect for the title, I used a fish tank that was about four feet wide and two feet high. I put smoke in the fish tank, and on the back of the tank, I put the title that was drawn on the an- on an animation cell. So it's a clear yeah. cell on the back of a fish tank. Um, behind that, I had a piece of plastic garbage bag, which I stretched over a frame. And behind that, I had a light pointing through the letters. When I photographed it, I put a flame on a match to the plastic, 
the plastic would open up and melt and let the light through the letters as the letters looked like they were burning through in light rays. It's crazy. I think uh, that reminds me of... I watched a special feature once on how they did Independence Day. And you know, like, when the laser beam shoots yeah. down into the White House and it explodes outward? Yeah. They shot that, like, underwater. And it's really just, um, like, sand... Yeah. Like, coming out, like, they just basically, like, blew up the sand, and the sand comes out and wow. kind of does a plume, you know? Yeah. And that's how they made that effect for the explosion of, like, the White House. Or wow. Yeah. It's super cool. But that stuff is awesome, you Yeah, know? it is. It's <laughs> awesome when they can blend them together. Yeah. Like, you know, Star Wars Episode One's a perfect example of, like, abusive CG, what that can do. Like, mm-hmm. saying, you know, we just, we'll just use digital sets and use very little on location, and you just look at it, and it's sterile. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have that depth that... But then you look at Avatar, you know, I mean, I feel like there's different levels. Like, where's the disconnect, you know? Yeah, because Avatar I watched and didn't feel sterile at all. felt like the world was completely alive, and that was 100%. But that's just because Cameron's, like, a fucking maniac. Yeah, I mean, probably, like, when he had his artists go, like, pixel by pixel, like, make that better. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he did. And he smacked them if they did that. I'm sure he did, you know? I mean, and and interestingly enough, uh, the next big 3D budget movie is... Michael Bay's Transformers 3. Yeah. That's the next one done with James Cameron's cameras. Is it going to be in 3D, that movie? Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. I feel like I kind of need to see it, but... Uh, I'm going to go see it I'll only see them if they're shot in, with the 3D camera. They're shot with... Yeah, yeah he said... Like, I don't... He... They, they just did... The, it was crazy. They did, uh, I think, again, one of the podcasts I watched, but Totally Rad Show did a coverage of... They did an event in L.A. where James Cameron and Michael Bay sat down previewed footage of Transformers 3 and then just talked about 3D and the industry of film. Wow. So these two... I'm surprised those two guys get along. They're both so alpha. Yeah. And Cameron's sort of like... I don't know. He's like a... Like a cool dad kind of guy. Yeah. Like yeah. a cool dad you don't want to fuck with. And Michael Bay <laughs> is like, like a pissed off frat boy. So yeah. I don't see them like really meshing. It was interesting to see them talking but they... They what he talked about what Michael Bay talked about with the 3D and what, and what the guys from Total Rad Show said was cool was to see Bay actually, like, kind of geeking out, nerding out about 3D with yeah. Cameron. Like, he, oh, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, like, cool frat guy. He was just going, like, oh, yeah, we shot it this way, we did this and this and this, and we did all this stuff. But I guess what he said was he didn't go as strict as Cameron with Avatar. He didn't shoot literally everything with the 3D cameras. Yeah. He did go back and do 3D a couple of times, like, post. But he said the times he did it in post were times that he felt like trying to shoot it in 3D limited how he could shoot the scene yeah. and he decided, well, we'll go back, we'll do it in post. But the difference being, he said, he didn't treat this like an add on for dollars. He was like, when we went and did it in post, I hand selected the studio that did it for us. I sat in the studio and watched them while they were doing it to be like, okay, no, that needs to be pulled this way. That he's he's oh, like, I still cool. directed the 3d that happened. I, I, didn't, the I didn't like, yeah, he didn't yeah. just because what's usually happening with, Pirates and, you know, Clash of the Titans and stuff, is they just give the movie to two or three studios, they say, cut these elements apart, shift them so that it has the depth that it's supposed to have, and then that's why it looks like shit half the time. So. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I'll go see Transformers 3. I mean, I didn't see 2 in the theater, but I'll see 3 if it's if it's in 3D and it's done well and with the right camera tech. You know? They're definitely popcorn films. There are moments yeah, where I'm, like, yeah. super cool, you know? Yeah. Like, the, in 2, there's the stealth plane that was, like, the old crotchety... You ever see 2? The Transformers? Yeah. yeah I think I did, yeah. yeah the, the stealth Transformer, he was awesome. I just don't want them to continue to destoy my childhood. Well, they're going uh, to. Because yeah, yeah. they're making way too much money to sell. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. There's a scene in this one that I did see a clip of, which I think is on YouTube now, if you go look it up, but 
they actually hired the guys in like the flying suits, the gliding suits. Oh, really? He hired ten of them to go through Chicago in the suits, and they have cameras and stuff. And they actually did three D from their camera too. Oh, wow! They did like the little oh, mini three cool. D cameras. And uh, he said it took something like a year to get the clearance to do the scene because it's all real. And yeah. they literally drop out Guys of a plane. The <laughs> they, they literally drop out of a plane above the city of Chicago and then fly through the buildings of Chicago like on their little squirrel suit things, gliding suits. Maybe I'll just have to see this movie and not recognize the fact that those are transformers. Yeah, exactly. that's probably the yeah. best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if they had done the G.I. Joe movie, you know, I would have oh, been yeah. like, well, you know, at least it was a good action movie. Michael, you cannot argue that his action sequences are fucking oh, ridiculous. Right. Yeah, they're phenomenal. You know, like, there's so much bass and just, like, crazy shit going on. It's just like you're in the middle of a war zone, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Content-wise. The, yeah. And that's where the, the criticism comes. Yeah. It's like, hey, was there a story? It was like, no, we just blew the desert up. And yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Something about a pyramid? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Racist Autobots. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. So the reason we're doing this on a Saturday, uh, again, this time, is you guys went to the Spooky Mayhem Convention. Spooky Mayhem. Tell us about it. All right. Well, Spooky uh, Spooky Empires puts on a convention in October um, called Spooky Empires Convention, and it's sort of an offshoot of the Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. What they decided to do a few years back was um, kind of not use the Fangoria license, but try and pull in the same names that Fangoria did and have a smaller sort of um, family-centric horror convention, which doesn't sort of a contradiction, but yeah. um, horror convention that everybody can come to and meet some of their favorite uh, actors from science fiction and horror movies. And it did so well in October, and there was such a big turnout, that they decided that rather than wait all the way till October again, they were going to quickly pull together a spin-off of their own convention, put it at the end of May, call it Mayhem, and then kind of see what happens. So... You having you didn't go to Spooky Empires in October. Um, just your general Scott Scott and I went. Um, your general perception of what Mayhem was like. Uh, there there is definitely something to be said for the small convention. Sure. Like because this had a much like warmer feel. Like the rooms are not very big, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like um, I kind of said that like. To, just to be able to see, like, a subculture of people, even if it's not, like, the thing... Like, I don't really know a lot about horror movies, you know? But I still enjoyed being, like, in a culture of people that were all there for the same reason. And, like, as small as the convention was, a lot of people still dressed up, like, full costumes, like, wore, like, crazy clothes, like, made, did face paint to look like zombies and stuff. And then, Ironically, uh, on my way home from dropping off the mic to you guys... I had to get gas. I stopped at Seven Eleven to get gas, and this person pulled in front of me, and a zombie got out and gassed her car up. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I know where you're going right now. <laughs> and what what is interesting is that like the the place where the the convention was held is so unassuming. Like you would have no idea that there was something going on there. Well, it's just a hotel, right? Yeah, pretty much just a hotel like on the street. It's yeah. not like giant signs like convention center style. It's really just pretty low key. But I think that 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 actually makes it fun because. You know, like, I guess, like, most of the cast from The uh, from what Walking is it? the Walking Dead were there, and it's like, if you watch that show and you were stoked on it, you could just walk right up and spend, like, more than two seconds with these people. Did uh, Kirkman go, or no? Uh, Kirkman wasn't there, no. Okay. Kirkman wasn't there. There's, like, I think Phoenix Comic Con's going on at is the same it? time. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
But I think it was just, I mean, I thought it was really cool, even, like, not as a fan of horror movies. Like, I still enjoyed it, like, thoroughly. Yeah, it's definitely cool just to see all the costumes. Like, there was a, a girl dressed up as Ash from uh, Evil Dead, and I had never seen a girl Ash before. Yeah. And I was like, uh, kind of, you know, and there's just, like, all sorts of strange, off-the-wall people in costumes. And, like, when Scott and I first walked up, I was like, yeah, it's going to be weird. It's, like, almost like this biker subculture, like, everyone's, like, Kind of a little bit gothic, a little bit mm. different, uh, but everyone, you know, there was super, super friendly. And um, I didn't see, like, a lot at a lot of these larger conventions, you'll get a lot of attitudes and a lot of people that are pissed because they're such a confined space and, you know, you're competing for different things. Yeah. There was, like, really none of that there. Probably so, as many volunteers as, like, Maybe like what I saw at Megacon too, yeah. in a smaller space. So it was like yeah. much more managed in the sense that like there were people everywhere. Like if something was going on, like everyone still had a person at the autograph table with them. Like right. It. I mean, I thought it was very very well run, even for like a small. Thing. Yeah, I agree too. Did they do it in the same size room they did the October one in, or mm-hmm. was it the same same place and everything? Yeah. Um, the number of people attending, like like guests. Um, same number as October, just diff- a different lineup. So October had like Robert England, yeah, yeah, and like some other people. All in this one had Bruce Campbell and um, some other big names. One, but, but I went ahead and divided it by different categories. Okay, um, that way we can kind of streamline our little review here. But the first thing was merch, and I wanted to um, point out that Scott bought something today. And Scott, we talked about on the podcast a lot. But for those that are tuning in for the first time, Scott collects. Admiral Akbar memorabilia. Exclusively. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all he really collects. That and some Mass Effect stuff. Yeah, but as far as Star Wars is yeah, concerned. Yeah, your Mass Effect collection is, is pretty starting big. to grow there. Oh, like, it's, it's pretty substantial. I'm totally jealous of yeah. I'm totally jealous of it. But I mean, like, as far as Star Wars goes, I used to have a problem with collecting everything Star Wars, and I really kind of just scaled it back to only Admiral Akbar, and that, that has worked out tremendously. Yeah, so we um, found an Admiral Akbar. Uh, I guess it's a sketch painting yeah. piece of art. I guess thankfully, like no matter what convention you go to, like Star Wars merch is always welcome. It's weird because I now find myself whenever I'm anywhere that has like nerd memorabilia kind of stuff. Mm. I because I don't really collect too much. I mean, I have like Simpsons stuff. Probably is my my biggest collection. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't really collect too much stuff and. Uh, like, whenever I'm anywhere now, I'm always like, oh, is there any uh, Mon Calamari or Admiral Akbar? Yeah. And, like, I'm always looking for your stuff somehow, because it seems like such an easy, finite yeah. question to ask, you know? It, it, it And it's really easy to walk through someone's booth, like, in about five seconds yeah. and go, like, okay, you, I know you don't have yeah. anything, but, like, no matter where you are, like, there's always going to be Star like someone selling Star Wars figures alongside of, like, you know, Evil Dead, like, action figures and stuff, but... Um, the guys that we met actually were at Celebration, like, I think there were two or three artists that were there. Yeah. And, uh, they, they said that for some reason they couldn't sell Star Wars stuff at Celebration. Yeah, you needed to have, like, you needed to buy a license. You had to have a license for artists. It's not cheap. Right. So, like, at this particular convention, they were, they did put all their Star Wars stuff out, so, uh, the guy is called, I guess his, his company was Poopbird. He has a site, poopbird.com. His name is um, Mike Groves. Uh, he did a, a piece of art where it's basically a shot of a, a nude. It's just a sketch of a nude woman from like the the chest to like maybe the the top of the nose, and uh, she's got like her hand on her boob, and she's 
Your other hand is like sticking an Admiral Akbar action figure in your mouth. <laughs> and I think the joke is supposed to be booby trap. Yeah, booby trap. Yeah, and he was super stoked that I bought it, and I told him about my love of Akbar. And then at yeah. some point, he turns his wrist over, and like right on his forearm is a giant like Akbar tattoo, which says, you know, it's a trap. <laughs> and we, the, yeah, we freaked out. We were like, whoa, well, you know. Yeah, they had definitely a moment. And he he saw my like as we walked up, he saw my tattoo on my arm. Uh, from Kill Bill and called it out, and I, he literally was the first person to ever be like, "Hey, is that tattoo from Kill Bill?" I was like, "Fuck! How did you even know that?" Because it's like yeah. literally flashed on her sword for like three seconds. But I think he's got we, some awesome. I'm looking through his artwork right he's now. He's really. I think good. I think, some awesome I think we made there. some new uh, friends now. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely. Because they were. By I remember stuff. seeing them at MegaCon and Celebration, and now this. Are like, they local? They're from they're Athens. Oh, yeah, oh, from Athens. yeah, yeah. The other guys are from Athens. The robot guys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the R- Red Rocket Farm? Yeah, I'm almost positive. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But those guys were super cool. Uh, all in all, like, I, I was really... We talked to... Um, and we'll put this up on the site at some point when we get it all digitized. We shot some video, yeah. Yeah, we shot yeah. some video of um, these guys and a guy that actually um, had a degree in zoology. And um, he decided that he wanted to make a, a business out of... Uh, importing rare animals and, and bugs <laughs> and um, mounting them. Yeah, he had, like... Yeah, so he had like bats giant and scorpions wow. and bats. And he was just, like, super nice guy, super nerdy and into his bugs and animals and loved talking about it. And then there was a guy who handcrafts uh, really kind of creepy puppet master-looking dolls, and it takes him two weeks to make each doll. Wow. And he has them from, like, you know, every single horror genre to, like, he even said he does, like, special commissions. Like, They're, like, almost like little Chucky-sized dolls. Yeah. And he, like, meticulously does, like, all of the sculpting and art and stuff. Yeah, like, wow. They're over $200 each. Jeez. But he has, like, a massive collection. So there's a lot of really, I mean, it's definitely a subculture and a weird genre of, of people, but... I will say what was refreshing was that, like, the people that we talked to like that were not... Um, like flea market vendors that just like load up the shit into their van and yeah. like drive the conventions. Like when we talk to these people, we're like, "Is this you?" And they're like, "Yeah, I make this stuff. Like yeah. I do this." And like those are the people that you want really want to. Because that's talk usually to. our biggest letdowns when we talk when we go, and it's just like you can tell they just piled all their old Star Wars toys into a yeah Ash a actually, bin, and they're like, "Buy whatever you want." Yeah, yeah, it's four for five. Yeah, yeah, Ash made the comment that like we didn't see a lot of dust on products. You know, which kind of gave us the impression that the people that were there were really, like... Yeah. yeah, we went to a couple booths that just had toys, and it was, like, it was as clean as a toy store, you know? Mm-hmm. It was very nice and well-maintained. So that's refreshing to see if you go to a lot of conventions. I, you know, Megacon kind of irked me this year because it really just felt like a giant open, open like, open flea market. It really did. It's yeah. kind of a dump a little bit. Dude. Yeah. Like, just not because of... I don't think that's to the fault of the convention, but the people that represent themselves there were like, yeah, just kind of three. I mean, there were a few good booths there, made comments here, but it, it really you had to find them. Yeah, you want to talk about the people? The or? people, uh, yeah, we'll talk about this. The people. So the people, um, like I said, there's a, a huge mix of all sorts. You saw parents with their kids. A lot of people that appeared to be about our age. Um, a lot of like, I don't want to say gothic type people. But um, it was definitely, like, everyone matched. Did you notice yeah. that? There was not a pastel to yeah. be seen. Not a lot of fans of Sunlight. <laughs> no, no. And that's not I, a knock at all. But no, yeah, I'm not a fan of Sunlight either. I think I remarked that this this convention should have been held at night. Yeah. Like, from, like, 8 to 6 a.m. Yeah. or something. That would have been awesome. I yeah. totally went into that. But uh, the people were all really nice. I mean, there's really not much to say. There were, like, people from, you know, all ages, from little kids to super old folk. Um, 
and everyone was really into it and really And even at this size of convention, people still dressed up, and that's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a, about a lot the, of costumes. As far as the attendees go, that's what surprised me the most. Yeah, definitely a lot of costumes. Uh, media guests. Uh, the first guy we talked to was uh, Tom Sullivan, who was... Uh, he did all the special effects for the Evil Dead movies, and he brought his museum with him and had all these artifacts. Does he still work? Does he still do it? Yeah, he still does stuff. But he, right now, he like he just goes to conventions and like sells uh, reproductions of his art and things like that. And um, they had a small. It was cool. There was like a very small room set up with with people selling like prop or displaying props and selling like reproductions of. Well, it's just funny that we were just talking about traditional, you know, special effects. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still does stuff, and he um, had all, like, he had, like, the Necronomicon, wow. and, like, the dagger that was used at the end of Evil Dead 2 to wow. stab the book, and, like, he had, like, you know, uh, Ash's hand that he cuts off, and the actual chainsaw was, like, in the back of the room from Evil Dead 2, so it was, like, if you're an Evil Dead fan, like, he just had people crowded around yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Also, super, super nice fucking guy. nice. Yeah. And he also gave us, like, he was nice enough to give us, like, the nickel tour of his, yeah, yeah. Of his stuff, too, which yeah. was really awesome. Yeah. It was very cool. And then we um, we didn't talk to a whole lot of people, but, uh, you know, there were a lot of people there. Alex Winter was there. I talked to him yesterday, and I'm going to go back and hopefully talk to him tomorrow. Um, super nice guy. I went up to him and told him my whole story about how uh, I, I couldn't help myself. I just, like, I saw him, and, like, there, w- there weren't any people around him yet, and I ran up, and I was like, when I was, when I was a little kid, I rode my bike to the... To, to the movies, and I saw Bill and Ted, and I didn't know who Napoleon was, and then I started to read about history, and now I'm a history teacher. Thanks, Bill! And he's just like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was actually really cool, but, um... Tell, tell, tell us about the guy in front of me. Oh, there was a guy, there was a guy in front of me, um, right before I walked up, and he was getting some stuff signed, and he wanted Alex Winter to pose with him, and he's like, hey, can you do, you know, the Bill pose with your hand on your chest and one hand in the air, you know, like the excellent pose? And he goes, no, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Just like totally deadpan, nice, not a dick about him. He's like, no, I don't do that anymore. And then Scott and I were talking. I'm like, just imagine how annoying would that be if you're like a guy who has like a catchphrase and everywhere you, you go, you're like, do your fucking catchphrase, dude. Yeah. It's like you're at Publix and someone's like, excellent. <laughs> you're like, I just want a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? So yeah, he was really cool. Um, we interviewed Diora Baird, who uh, was awesome. And uh, I went and talked to her yesterday. What, what I she, need to know who she is. Yeah, I honestly what, what our listeners know, know her for, like, maybe the most. Okay, well, like... pro- okay, so Dora Bear, she's been in a ton of horror movies. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the beginning, Night of the Demons. Um, she's been in Maxim Hot 100 three or four times. Um, she's been in uh, 30 Days of Night, Darkest Days. And then in a bunch of comedies like uh, YPF, and um, uh, she's in a movie called Hot Tamale. And she does some. She does some like she'll do like a like a one episode of a TV show. Like, yeah, she does she guest, guest spots, and she's on like Two and a Half Men, and, and she's going to be on Psych soon. But needless to say, incredibly attractive um, woman. That yes. goes without saying. So incredibly attractive, and I was just like, oh, cool, Dior Bear's going to be there. I had known who she was for. Ever since I, I saw Texas Chainsaw at the beginning of the theaters, and I was like, oh, who's that girl? She's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's the new, the re... The re- yeah, that, I think it came out in 06, I right, think. Okay. So, um, found out she was going to be there and um, tweeted her 
a couple weeks ago when I found out she was going to be there, and she tweeted us back at our nerd appropriate at nerd appropriate, and I was like, yeah, come say hey. And um, and when I showed up yesterday, she's like, oh, you're the nerd guy because she couldn't remember the program. She's like, you're the nerd guy. I was like, yeah, that's me, the nerd guy. And so we went, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, me. I'm Ash, the nerd guy. Yeah, I'm the nerd guy. She's like, she's like, I'm gonna do an interview with the nerd people. They're just like, good enough, like close enough. Thank you, nerd something. Yeah, but um. So yeah, we uh, sat her down and asked uh, a bunch of questions about all sorts of stuff, and we'll put it up on the site, but it's always really reassuring. One of my questions was, when I met her yesterday, um, you know, if someone tells you your whole life, because she, she's been modeling since she was like 17, someone tells you your whole life, you're super hot, you're super hot, you're super hot, um, you figure like you would get a little twisted and, you know, like mm-hmm. you wouldn't be just a nice, normal, easygoing person. Right. Um, and one of the questions I asked her, I was like, look, I mean, you've made Maxim Top 100 three or four times, yet you are still a nice person. How did you kind of go about doing this? And uh, she sort of has a funny response, but it, it, it definitely was refreshing um, when you meet somebody that you want to meet and they turn out to be cool. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't happen often enough. A lot of times it'll be kind of a disappointment. Right. What, who were we talking to on the podcast that won't meet people they like? It might have been Ryan. Uh, you said you you, you, don't, like, you don't want to meet not in general. Not general. I'm not like a I'm not much of like a signature guy anyways. Yeah. You know, like um, I did it twice at Comic Con and it was because it was I got a toy. Like yeah. the signature was just kind of like well I get an exclusive toy and the signature comes along with it. You know yeah. And but then both of those groups of people ended up being really awesome. I yeah. keep pointing. I, I realize we're on yeah. audio, but it was Seth Green and, and Matt um, Sign Sign Rich Rich. Right? And uh, Doc Hammer and uh, uh, whatever from Retribution. I don't know if you feel the That's same way I do, but I, I kind of wish that, like, I don't mind, like, encountering people at the autograph table, but I feel like I'd rather bump into them, like, maybe in the hallway, you know? Like, yeah. Because you know, yeah. I feel like it sets up this weird kind of thing where, like, you know, like, you feel like you want to, you have to gush, you have to say something, but, yeah. like, because they've been talking to people all day, so you got to come out with something. See, I kind of feel the opposite because when I went and saw these guys, they're there to say hi to you and be mm. nice. Like that, like not that they maybe they're fake, maybe they're being fake. Who knows? But yeah. but like they're there to say like, hey, what's going on? And sign something and be super nice to you. Mm. And then there's when you just run into people is when they're like they're just there trying to enjoy the con. Yeah, they don't true. really need you to be like, yeah. hey, I really love that you do that stuff. And yeah, they're like, cool, thank you. You know, I mean, they'll yeah. be nice, but you know, yeah, yeah. anyways. It's, so, a, it's a tricky proposition, I think. So, so. we'll have uh, a video interview from her coming yeah, up. And yeah, and I'm going to transcribe it so it'll be uh, video and then it'll, it'll be text also. Some people like to read them. Yeah, and, yeah. And watch them. Cool. So we'll do both. And uh, I think it turned out pretty pretty good. It's about 10, 15 Yeah, it's like long. 10 to 15 minutes long. Good. Awesome. Sweet. Should we do a break real quick? Would you like a break? Yeah, I would. We're not really live. We're not so really live. Not so really a break. I can just get up and leave. No one will be any the wiser. Scott just left. I'm going to whisper this. Maybe he won't cut it out. And we're back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. Can I, can I do that? I would assume you have the power, right? Yeah, sure. 
So, uh, for a quick review, we don't, we didn't really play any, we're not, didn't play any review, but. Take two. We didn't really play any new games or anything this week. Uh, there weren't really any movies. There's two movies out, which is Hangover 2 and Panda, Kung Fu Panda 2, but I haven't seen Hangover 1, nor have I seen Kung Fu Panda real, 1. Real quick, did you see that Kung Fu Panda 2's video game is gonna be a Kinect game? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost interested, just because I didn't realize uh, Harmonix is announcing a new game at E3 this year. I didn't know they were that close to ready. They didn't seem like they were seem like they were fishing for ideas. Not even two months ago. I think they were kind of pulling our leg at PAX. Yeah, because uh, Ali Thresher did something a few weeks ago. She's like, "It's crunch time," and I was like, "Crunch time." Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you guys crunching? And like, I didn't hear they're announcing right. a brand new title on E3. I hope it's has something to do with Connect. It will. I, I mean, it's if it, harmonics. Yeah. 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 If it doesn't, I'll understand, but I really need more Connect. And well, I feel like they that's a company that has figured out how to use the Connect and will probably put out another good title. Mm-hmm. Um, the joke was Beatles. What, what, what's their dance game? Dance Central? Beatles dance Central. Central. Beatles Central. Beatles Central. Central. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna anyways. Spend the rest of the podcast trying to wrap my head around that. So, not too much new really happened this week. It was kind of a weird lull in newness. Um, but something new that I've gotten into that is relatively new, I think it's only a few weeks old at this point, is Robert Kirkman of uh, Walking Dead fame has put out a new title <laughs> called Super Dinosaur. I'm already on board. And it is the story of a boy and his dinosaur, this T-Rex that he hangs out with, who his dad built a super suit for. That they can go and battle. He built a super suit for the dinosaur. For the dinosaur. That sounds excellent. Um, so two issues have come out and an origin story, I think. Although most of the no, no, this this is the origin story. So how did you how did you even find this? I knew Robert Kirkman was putting a new book out. Oh, okay. And like as shitty as this sounds, one of my hesitations with Walking Dead is that I'm never going to catch up, and I'm and it's feasibly never going to end. <laughs> so okay, I'm kind of like. It kind of makes me not as excited about reading a book when I know that I could sink hundreds of dollars into, like, a series and still never get to the current issue, you know? Like, it's there's a lot of volumes out right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's going to it's worth end. it. Yeah. I'm no, also, I, I'm I also a little zombied out at the moment, so I'm kind of letting the zombies there, build elsewhere. I mean, there could come book. a day that... Like this, it does end or something, and like all of a sudden you can just pick up like a yeah. Like a maybe they'll put something. a big like you know maybe I'll be rolling in dough and they'll put out like four hundred dollar compendium of all the volumes or something. But anyways, this story uh, is written well. It's it's a fun kind of take. It's not it's not at all serious. There is no depth to the story or whatever. It's it's very much so. This kid lives in an underground lab with his dad, who's a super scientist. His dad and his ex-partner discovered dinosaurs and raised this T-Rex, essentially, and built this thing so that he can talk. Like, they can talk to the T-Rex. Oh, okay, cool. The other scientist, like, split off and is trying to take over the world with his group of dinosaurs that he's he is creating. All right. These dinosaurs. He's actually making them from scratch. Right, okay. Because of this, so this rock they found called Dino... Dino... Dinopia or something like that. So as far as the protagonists go, one just one dinosaur, or he's got... He's got one dinosaur. It's just the boy and the dinosaur. And so there's a bunch of cool toys. So there's only one real dinosaur and then a bunch of fake... Yeah, I think one of the other ones might be real or something. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. So, um... So, yeah, so... And they battle. And then in the second issue, they just introduced a new antagonist 
who you don't know what he is yet, but his part of his suit ripped and it looked like a dinosaur skin underneath. But All right. But he's as big and regular shaped as a human. I don't read a lot of comic books, but I'm oddly into this. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know what? It's like, uh, I, t- I was talking to the guys at the store when I picked it up. Because they were like, oh, yeah, Super Dinosaur. And I was like, well, you know, it's fun. It's Kirkman. Like, you know, yeah. you can't, his writing's decent enough and the art's fun. And uh, he was like, you know, he's like, I'm reading it too. He goes, you want to know why? I'm like, why? He goes, this is 90s Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and even I'm from like, looking at the cover, that's I'm what like, I'm thinking it is. about. It totally is. This, is. this is like straight out of me yes. being 12 years old watching a cartoon exactly. on Saturday morning. And this is what I would have turned on and watched, Super Dinosaur. And it, it reads like that. The action is like that. Um, it's drawn pretty well, but it's a fun little book. So I was gonna, I just wanted to bring it up to kind of encourage everybody. If you miss Free Comic Book Day, which for shame on anyone who missed Free Comic Book Day, Super Dinosaur Number One actually was one of the free comic book titles. That's totally awesome. Um, so uh, and and a lot of stores honestly sometimes will keep their the stock that they didn't get rid of mm-hmm. and do like little promos with it a lot of times. So maybe if you go visit your store and, and act really nice and say you're a bum and you miss Free Comic Book. They may have a copy of Super Dinosaurs. Super Dinosaurs still. But um that's fun, it's put out by image, you know. And this just started like This is number one. And Listen you have number two here and number two here and that's it. That's, that's awesome. all that's out right now. What is the origin? Is that like a separate book or the... this is it. I thought there was an origin special, but it, oh, number okay. one was the origin special. Um I'm kinda stoked on this. Yeah, it's totally goofy. I mean on this one literally they make a snowsuit for the dinosaur, and he snow- snowboards down a mountain with the kid to go fight the enemy. I mean, it's it's hokey. It's ho- I was gonna say it reminds me of like Johnny Quest or something. Sure, yeah, like that kind of fun title. And from what I remember from a couple interviews I saw with Kirkman before he announced the title, he was talking about what he was working on, and everybody's like, "What is it? What is it?" And he was like, "It's just." He's like, "It's not Walking Dead." He's like, "That's yeah. what I'm working on, not Walking Dead." Right. And they were like, "What does that mean?" He's like, "It's just not. It's not Walking Dead at all." And yeah. this is probably probably about as far from Walking Dead as you could feasibly get. Yeah, so good for him. So it's fun. I just wanted to, to go over that. Kind of recommend cool recommend guy. a book of the week. Uh, yeah, I just want to know more about this. So I can't wait to see what happens. Well, you're welcome to borrow these two issues and read them. If awesome. Like. Um, That's totally awesome. Also in comics, because we're in the dead middle of it, we're in the, right in the beginning of it, So, and I keep recommending this series because it's so fucking phenomenal, but that... Cobra, G.I. Joe Cobra series, where Cobra got shot in the head. Yeah. We're, like, three issues into the Civil War, and it is fucking phenomenal. So, really? like, it's not too late. You can go pick up probably the all the whole run of the Civil War series for nine bucks right now, and it is really good. Uh, check it out. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a tangential question? Yeah. Um, so, as far as, like, maybe me and other types of readers, like, in comic books go, like, I don't know that I would have the capacity to, like, have so many books, like, would you recommend, like, would it be okay to try to read these digitally? Like, is there something... I actually, I have a new digital app on my phone Mm -hmm. called Comixology, and they do DC and Image, and I picked up a couple other titles. And I guess my next, my next question would be, is there currently an app that is, like, maybe more widely platformed than just, like, the iPhone? I don't think there's... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All like, the apps are Android, iPhone. Computer. Oh, so everything yeah. kind of like spreads yeah, yeah, across. Yeah. I wouldn't no. be like, I don't want to be stuck on a. I platform. think the only one that's iPhone only is is Dark Horse's app. So I could subscribe to these. Like, even that'll go. Whatever it. device I go to, like yeah. maybe I could read it on my laptop. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Chrome. The Chrome, the Chrome reader for Marvels are really good. As Ash, Ash is used. Oh, yeah, okay, I liked it a lot. Um, it's a. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course you can read these digitally. I mean, I don't, I don't I guess, have no issue with it. I just enjoy going to the comic shop yeah, and reading comics. I guess I'm saying, when it, is it okay? Is that still, like, you know... I mean, depending on who you ask, if you, if you go into a record store and say, is it okay if I buy all my shit on iTunes, they're going to tell okay. you no. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to know what the flavor is. The like, industry is moving that way yeah. somewhat. But I don't know that they're going to drop this entirely yet. Okay. But it's... it's uh, Check out Comixology. Mm-hmm. That's on Android and I think online, and then the Marvel app. The problem is there's not really one app to rule them all yet. There's not uh, like there's not your Amazon of digital comic books. So maybe that would be a reason to stick with the physical maybe. copy. I don't know. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for for ownership. I don't know what the pricing is for some. It's usually cheaper. It's probably like these are two ninety nine to three ninety nine, mm-hmm. and the digital ones I think are like a buck to a buck ninety nine. Okay. And you said the Marvel one was... They did a subscription, right? Which was great. It was unlimited. I read literally like 30 X-23 comics in two days. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah, their app's great. I mean, I haven't run... I've used probably about four different apps, and they've all been awesome. I haven't really had an issue with any of them. Okay. But I haven't really dove... I haven't really dived. Dove? Dovified? Dove in? Let's go. Like, I'm going to say dove I haven't really, like, jumped straight into one of them, like, way in to buy a bunch and see how they handle your library and stuff like that. Okay. So I was just kind of curious about that. Cool. So we're going to do our fall TV death watch? Yeah, so to wrap up the uh, the episode today, we are going to do the thing we said we were going to do last episode, which is our fall TV death watch. And this is how it works. I've got a spreadsheet laid out here. It's got... All of our names, and it's got all of the new shows coming out on all of the different networks and a link to the show. So I'm going to name a show. I'm going to read the description really quick. Good, because I don't know what I know, because we don't all know all the shows, but I'm pretty sure from the description we can probably pick out what we think. Okay, I like that. I'm going to name the show, read the description. I'll probably, if there's a brief cast listing, I'll give you that. And okay. Then, and then we will say how many episodes from zero to the whole season. Okay. Which we would assume is probably about 24, but usually death week is, what, 13, somewhere in there, like yeah. about half. Yeah, and if it's a mid-season show, then, like, it'll have to be, like, we'll just have whatever it is if it turns out to be a mid-season show. Well, but if it's a mid-season show... That, that could be 12, it could be still not do a full run? It could be 12 if it's okay. a half-season. Well, we'll just, we'll guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll pull this off as best. It's the first time we're doing this, so we'll, we'll do as, as well as we can. Okay. All right, everybody ready? Yeah, let's do, do it. it. All right, so first up, we have two broke girls. Maybe it's important to note that we're starting with CBS. I'm going to say that. Okay. So, we have two broke girls on CBS. You ready for this description? Yes. The cast is Max, played by Kat Dennings, Caroline, played by Beth Bears, Han Lee, played by Matthew Moy, Oleg, played by Jonathan Kite, and Earl, played by Garrett Morris. So the only name you probably really know there is Kat Dennings. Two Broke Girls is a comedy about two young women waitressing at a Greasy Spoon Diner who strike up an unlikely friendship in the hopes of launching a successful business. If only they can raise the cash. Sassy Streetwise Max works two jobs just to get by, one of which is waiting tables during the night shift at the retro-hip Williamsburg Diner. Sophisticated Caroline is an uptown trust fund princess who's having a run of bad luck that forces her to reluctantly give waitressing a shot. At first, Max sees Caroline as yet another in a long line of inept servers she must cover for, but she's surprised to find that Caroline has much substance as she does style. When Caroline discovers Max's knack for baking amazing cupcakes, she sees a lucrative future for them, but they first need to raise their startup money. While they save their tips, they'll stay at the restaurant working with Oleg, an overly flirtatious Russian cook, 
Earl, a 75-year-old cool cat cashier, and Han Lee, the new eager-to-please owner of the diner. Working together, these two broke girls living in one expensive city might just find the perfect recipe for their big break. Mm. Michael Patrick King from Sex and the City and writer-comedian Whitney Cummings are the executive producers for Warner Brothers Television on this one. So um, that is uh, Two Broke Girls on CBS. Let me pull up one other thing that we're going to do here, which is this. So that is going to be airing on Monday... Its lead-in is How I Met Your Mother, and it leads out to Two and a Half Men, starring Ashton Kutcher now. Okay. So, I my name's first, but I don't know. How, how, do you, how are we going to do this here? Two uh, Broke Girls. You go first, then. We'll just rotate the orders. Uh, are we going to give brief reasoning, too? Just, like, super brief? Whatever you want, yeah. Sure. I think CBS, lead-in from How I Met Your Mother, lead out to Two, to, uh, two and a Half Men with Ashton Kutcher. I think this thing's going the whole way. I think it'll make the whole season. Okay. I agree just because of uh, the fact that it has two and a half men on after it and how I met your mother on before it. I think that is, this is probably the safest place it could be on the schedule. Um, Kat Dennings is also pretty awesome. Sure. Um, I'm actually surprised to see her do television. I thought she'd probably just stick with... I mean, she was just in fucking Thor, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, you figure she could just... Just, just in movies, but... Um, so, yeah. I say full run. I think for the same reasons that both of you said, like, it, it's like a can't... Like, they would have to go out of their way to fail. Yeah, being in yeah, between the yeah, two yeah. shows that they're in between. Yeah. So all right. say whole, season. whole season all the way across. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, next up we've got Unforgettable on CBS, starring Carrie Wells as Pop... Or no, Poppy Montgomery as Carrie Wells, Dylan Walsh as Al Burns, Michael Gaston from as Mike Costello, Kevin Rankin, and Daya Vidaya which is an awesome name. Uh, Unforgettable stars Poppy Montgomery as Carrie Wells. Poppy Montgomery, by the way, came out of NCIS or one of those shows. She's from another big procedural show. Yeah, so. I think it was Special Victims. Special Victims. No, not, not SVU. It was something else. So what about getting raped? I don't think she was on SVU. <laughs> is that the right one? Yeah, that's the right one. <laughs> Anyways, she was on one of, I don't think she was on an NBC one is what I'm saying. I think she oh, was okay. on CBS, but... Unforgettable stars Poppy Montgomery as Carrie Wells, an enigmatic former police detective with a rare condition that makes her memory so flawless that every place, every conversation, every moment of joy, and every heartbreak is forever embedded in her mind. It's not just that she doesn't forget anything, she can't. Except for one thing, the details that would help solve her sister's long-ago murder. (sighs) Carrie has tried to put her parts behind her, her past behind her, but she's unexpectedly reunited with her ex-boyfriend and partner, NYPD detective Al Burns, when she consults on a homicide case. His squad detectives, Detective Mike Costello and Al's right-hand, ma- Al's right-hand man, and Detective Rose Saunders, the junior member of the team, and Detective Nina Inyara, a sassy street-smart cop. <laughs> Being back on the job after a break feels surprisingly right for Carrie, despite her conflicted feelings for Al. She decides to permanently join his unit as a detective solving homicides. Most notably, the unsolved murder of her sister. All she needs to do is remember. Executive produced by for Sony Television by no one we know. And this is also airing on. Or no, this is airing on Tuesday with a lead-in from NCIS, both NCIS at eight, NCIS LA at nine, and then Unforgettable at ten. It's at ten. It's at ten. Anybody got uh, feelings? I think it's a six episode. Six? Six, six episodes. episodes. I was making a jump here. Six episodes. 
Um, I'm going to give this one 12 episodes. So I'm going to say about, about half a season. All right. Because I feel like at this, at, when it's on, like what is happening in the show, it's going to be too much for CBS viewership. Here, here's my problem with that. Who watches NCIS? I know. I mean, Age I, group. I, I know. They're going to be asleep by 10 o'clock. The clock is really That's late. what I was about to say. Okay. So I, my issue with it is I think if it had been at 9 and was surrounded by NCIS's, the show would go whole season. I think at 10 o'clock with just a lead-in from NCIS LA, I don't see it making it the whole time. Um and it doesn't just doesn't sound good to be honest with you. I'm actually yeah. gonna go. No, I won't get pulled that quick. I'm gonna go ten. I'll go ten. Ten. ten? Okay. Excellent. What's next? So next up, we've got a uh, person of interest on CBS. If you aren't catching a pattern for how CBS does shows, yeah. yeah. Tell me about another street savvy cop. Street savvy with super memory. Person of interest stars Jim Caviezel. That's the guy from uh, Jesus movie, isn't it? Yes, this is the J.J. Abrams. Ah, yes it is. All right, so Person of Interest stars Jim Caviezel, Emmy Award winner Michael Emerson, and Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson, who was in his Undercovers, wasn't it? Wasn't she? Mm, I don't know. Uh, Let me take a look. In a crime thriller about a presumed dead former CIA agent who turns up with a mysterious billionaire to prevent violent crimes by using their own brand of vigilante justice. Caviezel's character, Reese, special training in covert operation, appeals to Finch, a software genius who invented a program that uses pattern recognition to identify people about to be involved in violent crimes. Using state-of-the-art surveillance technology, the two work outside of the law using Reese's adept skills and Finch's unlimited wealth to unravel the mystery of the person of, the person of interest and stop the crime before it happens. Reese's actions catch the attention of the NYPD, including homicide detective Carter, and Fusco, a cop who Reese uses to his advantage. With infinite crimes to investigate, Reese and Finch find that the right person with the right information at the right time can change everything. Uh, produced by J.J. Abrams, Brian Burke, both from Lost, and Academy Award-winning Jonathan Nolan from Memento, and Dave Semmel from Heroes, and Greg Plageman from Cold Case. It's a lot of executive producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this show is airing on when, nope, Thursday. I guess I could tell you what it's going up against, too. Ooh, it's going to get crushed. Uh, it's lead in this, another brand new show, How to Be a Gentleman. It's lead out is The Mentalist at 10 o'clock. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. This show is going up against Grey's Anatomy, Bones, and The Office. <laughs> wow. Hey. So this sounds more like an alias J.J. Abrams title than it does. And it also sounds exactly like the plot of the movie that Tom Cruise was in. Yeah. Called Minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah. yeah. So, Person of Interest, CBS. I am going to say half a season and it's out. Because it's Abrams. It's up against probably the toughest night it's going to could be up against. And it has an off... It has a, another brand new show for a lead-in. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that it's getting set up to do very well. Yeah, because you could see people watching Grey's Anatomy and then flipping over to The Mentalist. Yeah, without... Or Private Practice, practice, I guess, for yeah. that matter. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to do the old 12 shows. I'm going to agree with you. As much as I, I'd love to um, you know, think this is going to stick around, because Jim Caviezel and the guy that played Men Linus are both phenomenal actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <laughs> Those are some hard shows to compete against. Yeah. I mean, The Office, 
bones, yeah, Grey's Anatomy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just to, just to be different, and I don't know if this network does this. I'm gonna say that it's gonna get like I'm gonna say like 19 episodes, where the last five episodes are aired in the summertime. So it's gonna get. They're gonna do the full run, but the, not. During they're, the yeah, fall. they're gonna they're order. They're gonna order all the shows. Right that, 19. Yeah, put 19. They're gonna order all the shows. It'll get canceled, and then they'll. They'll Just yank it, out. put some junk in there, and then yep. play, you know, they'll do NCIS reruns. Yeah, and then run them out, yeah. All right, uh, next up we've got How to Be a Gentleman. It's on CBS. <sighs> All right, you know what the answer is. Uh, this stars uh, Kevin Dillon from Entourage and David Hornsby, who I'm not entirely familiar with, as well as Dave Foley from... Uh, uh, Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall. Marilyn Ratchscub from uh, 24. 24. Reese Darby and Nancy Lenahan. How to Be a Gentleman, inspired by the book of the same name, oh boy, is comedy about the unlikely friendship between a traditional refined writer and an unrefined personal trainer. Andrew Carlson, David Hornsby, is an etiquette columnist whose devotion to ideals from a more civilized time has led to a life detached from modern society. Infectiously optimistic Burt Lansing, Kevin Dillon, is a reformed bad boy from Andrew's past who inherited a fitness center but can still be rude, loud, and sloppy. When Andrew's editor, Jerry Dave Foley, tells him to put a modern sexy twist on his column or be fired, he hires Burt as a life coach in the hopes of learning to be less gentleman and more real man. Andrew's mom, Diane, and his bossy sister, Janet, support the plan, as well as Janet's husband, Mike. If he was allowed to have an opinion, though, Andrew and Burt's views may be centuries apart. They may find that there are others missing link, David Hornsby. Uh, they may find that there are each other's missing link. David Hornsby is from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Really? His picture's really tiny. I can't tell who it is. Oh, wow. Um, David Hornsby's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, he's... You guys don't watch that show, so you're not going to agree as anyways. He's a guy they call Cricket, who's a homeless, oh, homeless yeah, dude. Uh, this show is le- the lead-in for Person of Interest on Thursday night, up against Parks and Rec, The X Factor, Vampire Diaries, and the other new show, Charlie's Angels. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly what this show is. You ready? Yeah. This is the show they bought when they thought Two and a Half Men wasn't coming back. Sure. Okay. Got I it. think they bought this and said, oh shit. Charlie's Sheen's going crazy. We're not going to have two and a half men next season. Buy something that'll sit in its spot just for a yeah. season. We don't care what it is. And got this comedy about a wildly mismatched yeah. couple of guys who need to learn how to get through life together. So you say? I say it's not. I don't. I'm going to do the like six. I don't think it's even going to make it halfway. I'm giving say it three. 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 I, I'm border three on that one. That's <laughs> that's a really bad show. I'm giving it five. Yeah. I mean, just because it's up against Parks and Rec and a results show for it's um, up against X Factor. I mean, which... well, it's X Factor results show and results like American yeah. Idol results show is still like in the top five every week. Yeah. Also, that description sounded like someone vomiting. It was like, and then this guy loves him, and he's a fitness coach and a life trainer. You're like, what is it? I don't even know what happened. It sounds, that shit like is. The, it sounds like the TV show about the Geico Caveman. Like, oh, you God. might as well have been reading Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so the last uh, new show for CBS is a show called A Gifted Man, uh, starring Patrick Wilson, which is. Um, I know who that is. The Owl from, from Watchmen. Yes. Patrick Wilson is Michael Holt, uh, Jennifer L., Julie Benz. 
No. Liam Aiken and Margot Martindale. Julie Ben sounds really familiar too. She's from Dexter. There you go. A Gifted Man is a drama about a brilliant, charismatic surgeon whose life changes forever when his deceased ex-wife begins teaching him the meaning of life from the hereafter. Michael Holt is an exceptional doctor who lives a materialistic life of luxury thanks to his work-obsessed career and powerful and wealthy patients. However, Michael's ordered world is rocked when his ex-wife, Anna, an idealistic free clinic doctor and the love of his life, mysteriously appears to him. Michael's offbeat sister, Christina... A single mom to her teenage son, Milo, is thrilled that Anna's back in her brother's life, even if it's an illusion, because Michael was always a better person with her. Curious about Michael's sudden change in behavior and his efficient assistant is his efficient assistant, Rita. That's a weird sentence. When Anna asks Michael to go to her clinic to help keep it running, he meets Autumn, a volunteer carrying on Anna's work with the underprivileged. God, how many characters are introducing in this paragraph? <laughs> Touched by those in need and accepting of Anna's compassionate presence, Michael's attitude towards serving the rich and poor is turned upside down, and he begins to see that there's room in his life for everyone. Academy Award nominees Susanna Grant from Aaron Brockovich, Academy Award winner Jonathan Dem, Silence of the Lambs, Sarah Timberman, Carly Beverly, and Nail Bear are executive producers for this show. This show is airing on Friday. It's an hour-long drama. Up against Extreme Home Makeover, Nikita, Kitchen Nightmares, and Chuck. Which, Friday's the graveyard for shows, but mm-hmm. that's not extremely tough competition either on any end of that. So so the new drama for CBS, what's everybody think? On Scott? Friday, up against things that are not that. And because, man, I don't know. I'm going to say it goes the full season. You think it's going to make it? Yeah. I think it will make it the whole season and will not get picked up for a second season. That's Agreed. I'm saying it's only going to make it 12, um, mainly just because I don't like medical dramas. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the... Well, I mean, it's set in a hospital or... or yeah, or it's going to be like a, a doctor and then there's going to be like Julie Ben's ghost haunting the doctor yeah. saying, hey, cut his heart out. Exactly. Alrighty, so that's it for CBS. We're moving on to NBC now. The first one is, um, <laughs> I think, the best title of all of them. Let's hear it. Is uh, Playboy Club. Yeah. All right. Starring uh, Eddie Cibrian, Leah Renee, Jenna Dewan, Amber Heard, Laura Benanti, David Crumholtz, Wes Ramsey, and Naturi Naughton. And, uh, there's the about. In the early 60s, and the legend, it's the early, oh, this one's, sorry, this one's not, uh, this one's, uh, not a narrative. It's, it's the early 60s, and the legendary Playboy Club in Chicago is the door to all your fantasies, and the key is the most sought after status symbol of its time. Step inside the seductive world of the bunny, the epitome of beauty and service, and rub shoulders with the decade's biggest mobsters, politicos, and entertainers. With all these larger-than-life ambitions, there are even greater secrets, like when innocent new bunny Maureen, who wants to take over the world by storm, accidentally kills one of the Windy City's most powerful mafia bosses. And the only person capable of covering it up and protecting it is Nick Dalton, a man who once worked for the mob but is about to run for district attorney. Bunny Alice is <laughs> Bunny Alice is married but hiding an explosive personal life while Bunny Janie is running from a past that threatens to catch up with her. 
It seems everyone has a secret, none more so than Maureen, who may not even be the innocent orphan she appears to be. Thank goodness Hef's Playboy Mansion is about is open after hours for a little R&R and burying your past. This is from Academy Award-winning executive producers Brian Grazer, uh, executive producer Chad Hoge, and director Alan Taylor of Mad Men fame. So what is this show trying to do? So this show is up against, it's on NBC, it is airing on Monday nights, and it's not till 10 o'clock, but it's got nothing on Fox, nothing on CW, it's up against Castle and Hawaii Five-0. That, see that alone. Like, we don't watch Castle, but people watch Castle. People watch Castle, but this is a different, this is not Castle. Do you think this is, this? do you think this show is put here to, for fans of Mad Men? Because oh yeah, like yeah. I think they're trying to go school for stuff. Mad Men. Yeah. Here's, Here's my problem: if this were on Showtime or HBO, it or would AMC. do really, really well. Um, it is a show called The Playboy Club about a gentleman's club where they're not going to be able to show shit. There's not going to be any nudity. There's not going to be any like heavy drug use, any real violence. This seems to me like it's trying to almost be like a Sopranos, just from the sound of it, like a really heavy drama with some, um, you know, with some like personal, like, stories kind of interjected, and I don't think that really works on, on standard cable television mm-hmm. or on the main networks. I agree, because I don't, I can't think of one. I, it, I think, it doesn't even need, it'd be great on HBO or at Showtime, but I think AMC, FX, like, the cable channels that don't mind airing that kind of drama, you know, would probably do well with it, too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this is the one NBC is going to fight for. How's that? I don't think this is the new one. They're gonna be like, we're really gonna sink our teeth into this one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go like, I'm going five. And plus, the name of it alone, you're gonna have a lot of spouses and things. And if like, you know, you're sitting the others like, I'm watching the Playboy Club. Why are you watching that? You know, and that's just kind of the name is wrong. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Uh, I think just out of spite, just because like this show reminds me like. Maybe, like, the same amount of effort that you'd have to put in to get a show like Studio 60 on there. No, man. Like, you cancel Studio 60 on me, and I'm still upset about that. So. Um, that's what I was trying to think. Studio 60 was Not half a season. Full season. Yeah, it was a half. Yeah. So I don't um, think it's going to make it that I'm going to give this 10. You're going to give it 10? Yep. Ash. I'm going to say 7. 7. Alrighty. Next up, another NBC show. I think this one is a comedy. Yay. So this one's called Up All Night. It is written by uh, Saturday, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live alum, good lord, uh, starring Christina Applegate, Maya Rudolph, Will Arnett, and James Pumphrey. So uh, that's quite a comedic cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the show, this, did I say the name yet? It's called Up All Night. Yeah. Uh, life is all about balance, so what happens when you throw a new baby into it? Eh, wow. Reagan and her husband. <laughs> Damn it! Sounded so good. Reagan and her husband Chris are the proud new parents of baby Amy. She may have been unexpected, but life's curveballs can be a godsend, literally. Unless you have a career that needs attention, which is exactly what Reagan has. So bucking tradition, and that's Christina Applegate and Will Arnett who are married. So bucking tradition, they decide Reagan's the one going back to work, while Chris is going to be a stay-at-home dad. Easy, right? Well, not quite. Back at work at her high-pressure job, Reagan immediately feels the push and pull of motherhood in a career while her self-involved co-worker, Ava, Maya Rudolph, can't believe her best friend now has a baby. 
nor can she even remember if it's a boy or a girl. Then her Facebook generation assistant reminds Reagan of the freewheeling lifestyle she and Chris once had. She also remembers that no matter how rowdy the partying once was, she always managed to get home, something that makes her very proud. Determined to prove that she and Chris still have a hot love life, and that she can be the perfect wife, mother, and career woman, Reagan spins a little bit out of control, but she eventually realizes that Amy is her new number one priority, and somehow everything, except maybe Chris, is going to take a backseat to their new bundle of joy. This is produced, executive produced by Lauren Michaels and directed by James Griffiths, uh, and then written by um, Emily Spivey from Saturday Night Live. So this is airing on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock up against the new X Factor, the new Hater, Survivor, Survivor. in the middle. The only thing I can imagine, like, my first question is why is this show not on Thursday night? Because that's where they're putting the new. Whitney show. Right. And then it looks like, I mean, based on the other things I see here, this is supposed to compete directly with The Middle because the other shows are not comedies. Right? Is The Middle a Modern Family's a comedy. The Middle's a comedy. But I'm saying like... Oh, that that hour, that time. Yeah, NBC is competing with ABC here on Wednesday night. Well, because, I mean, Survivor and The X Factor are reality shows, and I don't even... We'll find out what Hater is in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I love the cast. Yeah. Love the producer, you know, Lauren Michaels. Uh, I'm, I, I'm gonna say whole season just because it's my. You want it to. I want it to last the whole season. Yeah. I agree with you. That's I'm gonna say. I the same feel thing. like this could go one of two ways because I feel like we didn't do this back when Modern Family came out. But I know when I first heard about Modern Family, I was like, oh god, a, yeah. another yeah. freaking family sitcom. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and it's brilliant. Like the show's written brilliantly. So yeah. I'm hoping that maybe this takes this common trope and actually does something worthwhile with it. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to go full season as well, just based on raw talent alone. Yeah, like, and Lauren Michaels, you know, like yeah, he does wield some power at NBC. So yeah. I feel like if he wanted to try to keep a show around, you know. He'll just have it moved to Thursday. He'll just boot something. <laughs> Not much to boot. I mean, I think, honestly, what will ha- what, what would happen there is if Whitney starts to fail on Thursday and this is doing well on Wednesday, they might move do one of those things yeah. to, to boot the, boost this one up. So next up, we've got a show called Free Agents on NBC starring Hank Azaria, uh, Natasha Leggero, Catherine Hahn, uh, who's been on a ton of stuff, Anthony Head, Joe Latruglio from the state, Mm. Mo Mandel and Al Madrigal. Alex is recently divorced and Helen lost her fiancé a year ago. Man, reading more of these just is kind of getting ridiculous. Obviously, these two are definitely not ready to be dating again, so naturally they end up in bed together one night. Oops. And their co-workers. Double oops. At least they have one thing in common. They're both in need of getting back on the horse again, but unable to figure out how. Despite their little romantic encounter, however, they decide to just remain friends. Helen insists that this has nothing to do with Alex crying like a baby after sex, and Alex tries to reassure Helen that she'll have no trouble finding a new boyfriend as soon as she removes the pictures of her dead fiancé that are all over her apartment. The rest of the office tries to get Alex back out there, but no matter how many douchey shirts they make him buy, he's never going to be a ladies' man. His colleagues aren't actually much help. From the boss who can't wait to hear about Alex's sexual exploits to the eternal player who wants Alex to be Alex's new wingman. When he finally gets up the courage to go on a date, Helen finds herself just a little jealous, which is what Alex secretly wanted all along, and one drunk dial later, they end up going back in bed together. Looks like this might be the start of something awkward. 
Uh, I don't like this. This crooked one. This crooked workplace romantic one. comedy written by John Enbum of Party Down fame, which is actually really good, and directed by Emmy Award winner Todd Holland from Malcolm in the Middle, proves you can try to put yourself back out there, but sometimes what you need is right in front of you, even if it's a really bad idea. So again, Hank Azaria, Joe Latruglio, Catherine Hahn, these are all uh, pretty good comedic actress, actors. You know, written by Party Down, guy from Party Down, which if no one watched Party Down, Party Down actually is a really good show. It's pretty damn funny. Uh, I just don't, I don't, NBC, man, trying to be the comedy bastion. So this show is on, uh, same time. Same day. It's I, on Wednesday at 8.30, so it's going up against a new show called Suburgatory and then Survivor and X-Factor. I just feel like against Survivor and X-Factor, like, those two shows will kill it in that time slot on their own. I don't, I don't know how much, how much is left for, like, like, for ABC and NBC in this, at this point, you know? But do you they know? know that? Do they know they're gonna take less of a share because of those two, you know, giants? If that's what they're planning for, then... I mean, two new shows in this Wednesday time slot up against these, like, other reality shows, like... Be the cash. Oh, it just sounds awful. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, it, it could be... But the, the general premise of it is just so, like, nothing I'd ever want to watch. Like, you know, it's just, like, it, it doesn't even sound like these are people... The thing about these sitcoms is you have to want to hang out with these people. Yeah. You have to, like, want to be in their presence and watch their life and adventures. And, like, if they're dicks and, like people that seem uninteresting, you don't want to be there with them, so you don't watch the fucking show. I thought Better Off Ted was a seemed like a better show than this, and that just... I mean, that didn't make it either, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a show with, um... with, uh... Job from... what that we just said the yes. other show he's on. Anyways, um... I don't think this is... I, like, three. I'm gonna give it three. I'm One. Half season. One. One. <laughs> Here, pull it. You're, so, why don't you just say never airs? It's going to air once. All right. Once. There's going to be such an outcrying of disgust. So next up is one that I'm somewhat anticipating. Who is who is Whitney? Tell Whitney me. Cummings. She's a comedian. Um, you really wouldn't have seen her. She's on Chelsea lately a lot. And she does... Uh, she's done a couple of roasts. She's slayed on the roast. She's done two oh, roasts really? and, like, gets up and just destroys. Like, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Okay. Have you seen her do any of the no, roasts? I haven't stuff? seen her roasts. It's kind of insane. Uh, so they say marriage is the number one cause of divorce. For Alex and Whitney, it's one of many reasons they're determined not to take the plunge. Uh, Alex is actually the guy we interviewed, Chris D'Elia, so he's a lead. And then Whitney Cummings oh, is cool. the other lead. After going to yet another one of the friend's weddings, Whitney realizes that she and Alex are dangerously close to relationship boredom. She sees it happen all the time. Pretty soon you're not dressing up for each other, you're not having enough sex, and you start fighting. Determined to not let that happen to them, Whitney consults her close circle of opinionated friends and snaps into action. A few awkward sexy costumes and one botched seductive evening later, they end up in the ER And after Alex gets a concussion from a compromising position. Not exactly the mind-blowing experience she wanted, but you know what? That's alright. The relationship might not be perfect on paper, but it works, and they really do love each other. Bright young comedian Whitney Cummings brings her unique and hilarious perspective on love to this new comedy series... That proves there's no right way to be together, but there are plenty of wrong ways. Starring, uh, we're probably not going to know a lot of these people, Malik Panchali, which he was on something. He might have been on uh, Outsourced. 
Dan O'Brien, Chris D'Elia, Whitney Cummings, Zoe Lister-Jones, and Rhea Seahorn. I really liked Outsourced. I know. So. I'm upset that that got canceled. Uh, so this show is probably the only place that you can have a strong lead-in on NBC, and it's let in from the office at 9.30 on Thursday up against Bones, Secret Circle, Person of Interest, and Grey's Anatomy. I think it's going to do pretty good. I think this because those are all really heavy dramas that it's going up against, and I think some people aren't going to want to see that, you know? Person of Interest, I'm, Bones, Grey's Anatomy, um, I think it's going to do okay. This kind of has like a Friends vibe to me. I feel like if, if that's what, what's like a going on... Like Friends. Yeah, I yeah. feel like if that's what's going on, I think, I think this will survive. I don't. <laughs> and here's why. One... It's in a doomed time slot. Every show that has gone in at 9.30 after The Office has been canceled that's been on NBC, which started out as outsourced, then moved to Perfect Couples, and... I will admit that this show does not seem like any of the other shows that are on Thursday night on NBC. like... The other comedies. Now, if this was at 8.30, and they moved Parks and Rec to 9 and The Office to 9.30, Mm -hmm. I might be like, oh, I could see it surviving just because people won't turn it off. Yeah. Well, what is missing from this is 30 Rock, so at best, this could be a half a season. Yeah, I think this... That's actually a really good point. I think it'll make a half season, and then they'll pop 30 Rock back in place, and it'll be done. So they're either going to... They either plan to... I mean, because 30 Rock is coming back. We know that. Well, what they did last time was pull Parks and Rec. Right. So either someone does a half season, one of these shows goes to 7.30, or I, Whitney only gets a half season. I think Parks and Rec's got too much juice behind it now. That show's I think, really I think season now. two really picked up. Yeah. And I just don't... This time slot is honestly a doomed time slot. Everything gets canceled in it. I, I think I think Whitney's going to make... I think you're right, Scott. I think that half season's going to be... Okay. I'm going to say half season, Ash. Uh, I'm going to say full season. Full season. I'm pretty optimistic. Alrighty. Almost done with NBC. Prime Suspect. This is called Prime Suspect. Yeah, wait for it to load. Come on, NBC.com. There is something missing from this list that I'm super stoked about, and I don't think we got a chance to talk about it too much last week. Um, It's a show called Awake. Did I talk about this last week? No. Um, Is that the one with the guys living two lives? Yeah. Yeah, that does look really good. That looks tremendous. It, I, I guess it's not in the in the catalog for the fall, so maybe it's going to be a mid-season thing. But it actually sounds a lot like the the Doctor one that we talked about briefly on, um, on CBS. Mm-hmm. But what makes this one, I think, a little better is that this guy is living two lives. He doesn't know which one is reality, I guess, if either are reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning of the show, he gets into a car accident. His wife and son die in the car accident. And in one reality, his wife is still alive. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He's in the other reality where his son is alive. Yeah. And he's a cop solving um, crimes. And clues from one reality are meaningful in the other reality to solve crimes in both. So, like, things uh, cross over okay. between the two. And it's like a when you watch a trailer, it's an extremely heavy drama. And everybody on either side obviously doesn't know that the other side is happening. So uh, like it's, it's a really okay. crazy kind of has like a Life on twist. Mars kind of vibe. I love that show. Yeah. Alrighty. But much more heavy. Yeah. Prime suspect. Let's get into these procedurals. Oh, it's being a homicide detective. If being a homicide detective in New York isn't tough enough, having to contend with a male-dominated police department to get respect makes it much tougher. And that's exactly what Jane Timoney has to do. 
She's an outsider. Played by Gretchen Mole. What's that? Is it played by Gretchen Mole? No. Then I won't watch it. She's an, outs- <laughs> she's an outsider who was just transferred to a new precinct where a fraternity of cops isn't willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, especially given the way they think she got the job after an illicit affair with her boss. Jane is by no means perfect, and with her own vices and questionable past, she can be forceful, willful, rude, and downright reckless. She's also a brilliant cop with an uncanny ability to see what others miss and get inside a criminal's mind like no one else. While she wouldn't admit it, she wants the respect of the man- men in her life, including her commanding officer, her fellow detectives, and her complicated boyfriend and his young son. But above all, she keeps her eye on one thing, the prime suspect. From director Peter Berg, who does Friday Night Lights, comes the reimagining of the British television sit- hit. So this is a BBC show getting reimagined into a, a U.S. show. Okay, it's up against Private Practice and The Mentalist. Um... NBC also tried to do a show last year called Chase, which I think was like yeah. was name a show with like a female U.S. marshal who was like yeah. a badass. Same thing. Like to me, this is similar premise. Like I'm giving it like ten episodes. I'm giving it like eight. I think it's gonna make it about a quarter of the way through a season and then get yanked. I'm saying I'll be the dick and say six. Six. <laughs> So finally, the, I think the only show that we're that's non-comedy that we're looking forward to. And oddly obviously. enough, there are two fantasy shows coming out this season, like fairy book shows, and this is one of them. This is one of them. Uh, it's the last show on NBC that's new. It's called Grimm. Grimm. Yeah. Remember the fairy tales your parents used to tell you before bedtime? Well, those weren't stories. They were warnings. Detective Nick Burkhart thought he was ready for the grim reality of working homicide in Portland, Oregon. That is until he started to see things, things he couldn't quite explain. Like a gorgeous woman suddenly transforming into a hideous hag, or an average Joe turning into a vicious troll. Then after a panic visit from his only living relative, Nick discovers the truth about his visions. He's not like everyone else. He's a descendant of an elite group of hunters known as Grimms, who are charged with stopping the proliferation of supernatural creatures in the world. And so so begins his new life journey, albeit a reluctant one at first, as he solves crimes with his partner who knows nothing. something about Nick has radically changed, but can't quite put his finger on it. Along the way, Nick finds himself unexpectedly getting some help on some of the more difficult cases from Monroe, a guy who seems normal at first, but is soon revealed to be what you might call a big bad wolf. <laughs> Literally. Whoa. <laughs> While the brothers Grimm wrote fairy tales the children have adored for generations, imagine if the villains were real and Nick was the only one who could stop them. From executive producers David Greenwald, Angel, Bu- Angel and Buffy, and Jim Koof, Angel and National Trevor, Treasure, a Kauf, comes a new world of police work where all cases have a storybook connection, but not always happily ever after. Starring David, I'm not going to say his last name correctly, Russell Hornsby, Bitsy Tullock, Reggie Lee, Sasha Roy's, Roy, and Silas Ware Mitchell. On NBC, and it's up against... Fringe. Fringe, Supernatural, CSI New York, and Shark the Tank. Well, why would Shark they play, Tank. Why would they put one of the only genre shows on all season up against the other two genre shows? That yeah. Are, Maybe that's, that's what they're doing. the stupidest thing. Yeah. Well, that means you have to choose. Obviously, Supernatural and Fringe have massive cult followings. Mm. Supernatural has a gigantic Yeah, it's following. on like season like 10 or yes. something. Yes. Supernatural really? has yeah. a massive wow. following. Yeah. I have total, like... Blinders for Fringe, and granted, like, I don't have cable, so all of this I'll be watching on Hulu Right, anyways. but we're the exception. So, yes, yes, I will watch Grimm, but if, in real time, I had to choose, like, I would be watching Fringe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I want this show to succeed. This almost seems like it could be a movie. Like, a two-hour, like... I think it's going to go the other way, the cape. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, Heroes ended, they tried the cape, cape didn't work, they're gonna try this. I'm giving it like four episodes. Four? I, I don't think it's gonna, I, it's gonna go eight. It sounds great, I'd like it to, to last, I just don't, I don't think it's going I to. I think the cape got about twelve, I'll give this one. Cape didn't get twelve. It got ten to twelve. It did, yeah. yeah it really? The, oh. the rest went online. Yeah, oh, the re- they, they put out the rest on Hulu. Yeah. After it went off the air. But they didn't do twelve... On the air, did they? I thought they only got like six on the air, and then they no, yanked it and they put like the rest ten. online. I don't mm. Four might be low then, but I'll I'll stick with it. Oh, ten! The Cape got ten episodes. I don't think all ten were originally. No, aired. but they got ten total, and like yeah. that was it. Final episode ten. That's what I'm saying. I think they only aired like four or five, and then they yanked it and put the rest on Hulu. I'm gonna give Grimm ten. Okay. One more to give it. I can name that song in two notes. I think it's okay. it's really bad timing. I think it's the wrong channel. I think if they should have put this on CW and not NBC, but you know whatever. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Or even Sci-Fi. I mean, those are all owned by the same people, and they could have put that show anywhere. Man, Grimm on Sci-Fi. I feel like that would have killed a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so all right. Yeah. Five, ABC. Six, so the first show on ABC is a show called Last Man Standing. Today it's a woman's world, and this man's man is on a mission to get men back to their rightful place in society. Here we go. You ready? You ready? Tim Allen returns to ABC oh. with his new comedy from Jack Burdett, who did 30 Rock. Men may have built civilizations, invented the locomotive, and created ESPN, but they're about to find out that it's not a man's world anymore. You can't get manlier than Mike Baxter. He's the marketing director for an iconic outdoor sporting goods store. He loves to have adventures while he's traveling for work, and of course he drives a pickup truck. While Mike is king of the hill at work, he's the odd man out in the home when he's dominated by women, namely his wife Vanessa and their three daughters, 22-year-old Kristen, 17-year-old Mandy, and 14-year-old Eve. After being a stay-at-home mom for years, Vanessa recently returned to the workplace and is quickly promoted, much to this made of her primary, primarily male co-workers. As a result of Vanessa's increased workload, Mike is pulled into more hands-on parenting than ever before, starring Tim Allen, Nancy Travis, Molly oh, Ephraim, Alexandra Krosny, Caitlin Dever, and Hector Elizondo. Executive produced by Jack Burdett from 30 Rock, Tim Allen, Becky Clements, and no one else that we know. Up against this NCIS, show... 90210, Glee, and The Biggest Loser. Ooh. So, Sorry about the that. problem there is Glee, probably more than anything else. NCIS. And NCIS. But my dad will watch this. Yeah. Yeah, you know there aren't really a lot of shows for like maybe like manly. You men. only have to say Tim Allen, and my dad will watch yeah. the show. I mean, it's Tim oh, fucking okay. Allen. He's gonna pull in an audience. Even the premise is like remote. It's like it's very home similar. Yeah, it's very similar. Okay, I'm going whole season. Full season. Yeah, not, I will too. Maybe not our thing, but yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously not one that I'm gonna tune into every day, but it. Uh, t- when you say Tim Allen, and you say you know like. A manly half-hour comedy kind of show. I, I think that's not going to have any problems. So next up, Pan Am on ABC. Pan Am, passion, jealousy, espionage—they do it all, and they do it at thirty thousand feet. What? The style of the nineteen sixties, the energy and excitement, excitement of the jet age, and a drama full of sexy entanglements deliciously mesh in this thrilling and highly original new series. In this modern world, air travel represents the height of luxury, and Pan Am is the biggest name in the business. The planes are glamorous, the pilots are rock stars, and the stewardesses are the most desirable women in the world. 
Not only are these flyboys and girls young and good-looking, but to represent Pan Am, they also have to be educated, cultured, and refined. They're trained to handle everything from in-air emergencies to unwanted advances, all without rumpling their pristine uniforms or mussing their hair. There's Dean, a cocky, charismatic, and ambitious new pilot, the first of a new breed not trained in the war. On the sly, on the sly against company policy, he's dating Bridget, a stunning beauty with a mysterious past. A rebellious bohemian, Maggie, Christina Ricci, turns into a buttoned-up professional for work so she can see the world. Rounding out the crew are flirtatious Colette and adventurous Kate. And finally, Laura, Kate's beauty queen younger sister, sister, a runaway bride who recently fled a life of domestic boredom to take to the skies. Starring Christina Ricci, Kelly Garner, Carney Venace, Margot Robbie, Jonah Lotan, and Michael Mosley. This show is on what time? It's on at 10 o'clock on Sunday. Okay, and here's the thing. Here's who's... Okay, you have to not want to watch Sunday Night Football right. on NBC. You have to not want to watch CSI Miami on CBS. Right. And you have to just be up at 10.30 and... I mean, 10 o'clock and want to watch something after Desperate Housewives. Yeah. So Which, this is a girly show. I think it is. Really? If this is a show for the ladies. I was just saying, this is it, Mad it, Men it aimed at the ladies. Bankworthy. <laughs> I mean, like, all these stewards. Like, if you got caught watching it, you would get spanked. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if I was the 13-year-old me, this might have been something that I recorded with my VHS cassette uh, recorder right. sure. and watch when no one was around. Uh, but I think this is going in there with Playboy Club trying to be Mad Men on a network, on a network channel. I just don't get how long that premise could go. It almost that seems like the plot to a movie, and then like, how do you carry that on for twenty four episodes? You I feel like I mean? doing all this like sixty stuff might be a little costly to maintain. Yeah, to keep it up the appearance. Yeah, you know. um, I think the best point you can make is the one. Well, I don't know though. Leading out of Desperate Housewives is right. the worst lead out in the world. Yeah, it might. It might. Maybe it'll go the whole season. People will probably tune in for the first episode and go, "Okay, like I want to see what this is about." I watched Desperate Housewives. Did Hawaii Five O make it? Yeah. Oh, that yeah, that show, that's pretty solid. Good for them. I didn't watch it, but I love Grace Park. So yeah. Good for her. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go. Oh, man, my gut says it's not gonna make it the whole season. Right. Ash, you got a prediction? Mm, I say uh, six episodes. Six. Oh yeah, man. I think it's not gonna make. It. That is a horrible. It's the worst time slot of all. It is, but it's got a good... I mean, Desperate Housewives slays in that time spot. Yeah, so I'm old now. It's fucking late. Yeah. Might as well be on at midnight, man. Shit. People get up for work in the morning. This show probably won't be on Hulu, so I'll never get to see I'm it. I'm going to say half season. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it... Just to be different, I'll give it eight episodes. Alrighty. A lot of men shows on ABC this year. This one's called Man Up. Three modern men try to get in touch with their inner tough guys and redefine what it means to be a real man in this funny and relatable comedy. Will's Will's grandfather fought in World War II. Will's father fought in Vietnam. Will plays Call of Duty on his PS3 and drinks non-dairy hazelnut creamer. So what happened to all the real men? They're still here. They just smell like pomegranate body wash now. Meet Will. His his evolved, sensitive nature is why his, his awesome wife, Teresa, married him. But Will and his friends find themselves wondering, in a world of axe ads and manscaping, what does it really mean to be a guy anymore? Will is more interested in finding the perfect gift for his son Nathan, Nathan's 13th birthday party, than in doing his job selling insurance. 
Sensitive soul Craig still pines for his college ex. Lisa and Kenny clamp down on his anger and ask himself, what would Toby McGuire do? When his ex, Brenda, Jesus Christ, sorry, sometimes I'm just saying names, I feel like, starts seeing a guy who is everything he's not and much better looking. You have to keep a notepad. I know. After Craig crashes Lisa's wedding to try to win her back, they are all faced with an opportunity to man up and be like their forefathers. Starring literally no one that you've ever heard of. Okay. Um, so this show is going to come on after the Tim Allen show, which is called Last Man Standing. And uh, then there's going to be another show about men and manliness. And the then, show after it's Dancing with the Stars. I mean, Last Man Standing, Man Up. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, and, but these are two takes on that man concept. Right. Last Man Standing is, is Tim Allen doing a 90s man show that every guy's dad is going to go watch. Yeah. And then Man Up is a show about like our generation of wimpy men yeah. being around each other. And then yes. NCIS, 90210, Glee, and Biggest Loser. So, uh, I've, I don't think this show's nope. long for the world. Nope. Uh, I'll give it half. I'll give it five. I'll Ash. give it full season run. Sleeper hit. <laughs> sleeper. Man Up. Highlight that as you, Ash's you, sleeper. I did. You had me at Call of Duty. Okay. Um, Pomegranate Body Wash. We're halfway through our list. Do you want to save the other half for... We can. Because yeah. we're at about an hour and a half, and I think that's right Sufficient. in the pocket. So we can pick this up, like... Yeah, to the next one. On 27. Because I do want to spend time talking about some of the shows on Fox, especially... Sure. Terra Nova, uh, Alcatraz, and... X-Factor. And X-Factor. Yes. <laughs> so, um... All right, well, then we'll, we'll stop it here. Uh, we'll pick up the next half of the list next week. Um, this is fun, though. It's fun I, reading all the ridiculous descriptions of these stupid I shows. I like this. I'm glad we're doing this because I feel like we can revisit these shows again in the future, you know? Yeah. Like, we, well, I would have never read about half of them. Yeah, and we don't do a lot of TV talk on this thing, and I think, like, uh, as far as inappropriate goes, television is a little underrepresented I agree. for us, so I think it's cool. And kinda... the bad thing is, E3 is next week, and there's going to be so much news. Well, but we can just do news in this. Uh, yeah, ungodly amount. So next week we'll talk E3. Wow, there's a review to do, though, too, depending on when we do the podcast. Uh, oh, really? X-Men. Oh, okay. Oh, we know it's going to be good. It's good. <laughs> yes, done. <laughs> Fucking great. Well, I mean, we can, we can. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we will revisit this next week. We will yeah, finish yeah. this. We have next plenty week. of time. We have the whole summer to, to hit this list back up. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't come to fall, so. So, um, all right. Well, that's episode twenty-six then. Excellent. So keep an eye out for videos from Spooky Empires Mayhem, and then uh, E3 coverage. E3 coverage. I think and we're all going to be show lot Monday. Sitting around and live, yep. live tweeting. Uh, well, no one's going to know that. Stuff. So, yeah, Because this will be posted after Just that. Just delete that. Yeah. So, sweet, pros. Cool, thanks for listening. Yeah, good time. Wow, play the music. Now, 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 now.